if, if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have much to be thankful unto the Father for. He has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul's thankfulness for all that God had done in the Lord Jesus Christ led the Apostle into one of the great passages of Scripture about the person of Christ. He highlighted that he is preeminent in creation. For he created, and he sustains all things. Last time we were considering Colossians, we saw how that carpenter who was born in a stable, he who had nowhere to lay down his head, died on that cross. And rose again in triumph. He is the firstborn from the dead. He has preeminence. He is above all in creation. He is above all in the church. How did it come? That the eternal Son should come and go to that cross and die. We're told in verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven you will note in the King James authorized version that the words the father are in italics that means they are not found in the Greek manuscript The translators have supplied these words to bring out the meaning. We have to be careful to make sure that they were correct in what they have done. From the context, we need to discern who was pleased. When you look back through these verses to verse 12, you will see that Paul is speaking of what the Father has done. And so it is, as John Gill says, the phrase, the Father, is rightly supplied 
since it is expressly mentioned in uh, the context. For it pleased the Father. The preeminent one over all the created order died and became the firstborn from the dead. It pleased the Father. It was part of his eternal decree that the incarnate Son should so humble himself and be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When I read these words, it pleased the Father. I think back through the life of Jesus. We see at the time of his baptism, the words spoken uh, from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We see those same words spoken from heaven at the time of the transfiguration. Jesus said, John 6 verse 38, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. In all things, Jesus pleased the Father. Adam was created sinless. He was given dominion, but he transgressed. He did that which was not pleasing. Indeed, it brought death upon Adam. It brought death upon all who are in Adam. It brought the curse upon the created order. There was separation. (coughs) He hid himself from the Lord. Because he was ashamed. Not so with Christ. In all things he pleased the Father. Matthew 5 verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. He died. But the grave had no claim upon him. It could not hold him. And so he rose again. Christ's obedience and resurrection led to his being given a name which is above every name. In humiliation, he hung upon that cross and darkness was upon the face of the earth. But now, but now, Hebrews 4 verse 3 He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. This phrase goes on to say, It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. It is in 
this Christ Jesus, that it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. Down the years, some have argued that the man Jesus has brought something of God before us. Some teach that he is an angel. The archangel Michael, perhaps. Others, that at his baptism, the Christ came upon him. But the phrase in our text contradicts all of that speculation. We are told in no uncertain terms uh, that the fullness dwells in him. He is, verse 15, the image of God. It is in Christ and only in Christ that the fullness of God is made known to us. John 1 verse 18 we read, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. He hath made Him known to us. Hebrews 1 verses 2 and 3. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus. Jesus is fully man. A true man, born of a woman, born of a virgin. But he is also truly and fully a God. He didn't just have some aspect of God. He is not some sort of mixture. Look at Colossians 2 verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This fullness could never have been given to an angel, though in his incarnation he was made a little lower than the angels. He did not lay aside anything of his deity. He took on to his deity humanity. This fullness, complete in every respect, dwells in him. Speaking of permanency. Not for a moment did he lack any of this fullness. Even as he was mocked and scourged and nailed to the cross and lifted up to die, he was fully God. It was in his sinless, perfect humanity that he died and rose again. The Word was made flesh. He laid aside the display of his glory to take on him the form of a servant. However, that fullness was constant throughout. 
It is of this fullness that we receive grace and mercy. John 1 verse 16, Of his fullness have we received, and grace for grace. We can only find the fullness of Christ. We can only find the fullness of God in Christ. It is in his death, burial and resurrection that we see the fullness of the divine, the divine plan of redemption worked out. It pleased God. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, verse 20, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of the cross. Because of Adam's sin, we are all dead in trespasses and sin. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 In Adam all die. In our natural state we are at enmity with God. This is the wonder of God's grace in Christ. He came to make peace. To pay the penalty to save his people from their sin. Jesus was lifted up on that cross to die. The cross speaks to us not only of his public humiliation and physical suffering which he bore, but also of the fact that he took the curse upon himself. We read Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. It's not just the fact that he died, but that his blood was shed. He died as a sacrifice. He fulfilled, he made complete all the Old Testament sacrifices. He achieved what the blood of bulls and goats could not achieve. One sacrifice for sin forever. His was a once and for all sacrifice. As he hung on that cross, we hear that great declaration, John 19 verse 13. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The sacrifice of his blood on the cross paid it all. Peace was made. Having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. This brings us back to the words of verse 19. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell by him to reconcile all things unto himself. It pleased the Father. 
the whole person and work of Christ was pleasing unto the Father. The purpose of his incarnation and death on the cross was pleasing unto the Father. Not that God is reconciled to man. Rather, we are reconciled to him. However, there is more to this verse than thinking of our redemption. It speaks of reconciling all things unto himself. By him, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Does this mean? Does this mean that every rational creature will gladly bow and worship? No. Definitely not. The scriptures are not universalist. Scripture is very clear that there are those who are saved. And there are those who are lost. There is a separation. Matthew 7 verse 21 to 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In Luke chapter 16. The Lord Jesus Christ brought before us the most solemn portion. We have there Lazarus, who suffered much. And a rich man who had been so bountifully blessed, enjoyed the good things of this world. But then, after Lazarus had died, Now after the rich man had died, we read of the rich man. Verse 23, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, then thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which could, would come pass from hence to you cannot, 
neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. It is most solemn to think of this separation. Christ died on that cross to make peace, to make reconciliation. But if you're not trusting in Christ, you do not know peace with God. You have not been reconciled. You will have to stand before him as your judge and to pay the penalty of your own sin. It's most solemn, most serious. This passage speaks of reconciling all things unto himself. It could be speaking of all believers, those who were already in heaven and those still on earth. It could be speaking, as John Gill says, of all the elect. But in context, I I note the all things is one of several in these verses. He created all things. By him all things consist. We must remember that when Adam sinned, the consequences of his sin fell upon the whole of creation. The ground, now abundantly brings forth thorns and thistles. The oceans rage in powerful destructive storms. There are earthquakes in diverse places. It is in that context that we read in Romans 8 verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. (coughs) One consequence of Christ's death on the cross is individual reconciliation of which Paul speaks in verse 21 but there is also this reconciling of the whole of creation the day is coming when there will be a new heaven and a new earth Revelation 21 verse 1 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. There will be no more sin and death. No more tears. No more storms on the sea. Even today, we know the assurance of Romans 8 verse 28 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. The whole of creation is working together for the glory of God. Is working together for the glory of God in 
the blessing of his people. And this is all because of Christ dying on the cross. His blood which was shed to make peace, to make reconciliation. He died. But then he rose from the dead. He is now exalted, seated on the right hand of the majesty on high. One day is coming. He will receive his own unto himself. Those of us who have repentance and faith in Christ will be changed, will be like him. We shall see him as he is. We shall acclaim our Savior. Seeing the wonder of his mercy and grace. Seeing the wonder of what it was for him to leave the glory of heaven. To come and live amongst people like us. Sinners. Unclean. Cursed. To be misunderstood. And so cruelly treated. But to go. And be obedient. Obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. To make peace. Through the blood of the cross. And to reconcile all things unto himself. Because it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. What about you? What about you? Do you look in faith unto Christ turning from your sin? Or do you Stubbornly rebel and seek to live your life for yourself. Dear friends, these things are most solemn. Will you join your voice with the multitude of the redeemed? And cry out, Revelation 5 verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Dear friends, this is the day of grace. This is the day of God's mercy. Look to Jesus. Turn from your sin. Trust in his finished work, his blood that was shed. He is the blessed Savior. He is preeminent in all things. Is he preeminent in your life? 
Is he your hope in all things? Can your lips truly say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessings. We started off thinking how the Apostle Paul was thankful and how his heart, as it were, burst, burst forth in thankfulness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he brings before us something of who Jesus is. Is that your response to this good news? Does your heart pour forth thanksgiving unto the Father for Jesus and all he is and all he has done? His love, his mercy and grace. I hope and pray that you know something of this thanks, thankfulness in your heart and in your life. Each day, that something of it is seen in your life and heard in your speech and talk day by day. Amen.